0: Hey folks and welcome to the Blue Light Podcast. This is the place to discover all you need to know about the police recruitment process. So I'm Brendan from Blue Light and over the past several years I've been coaching and supporting people for the police recruitment process with a huge amount of success. There's a good four and a half thousand people who are now in the police service as a result of my support. This is something that's just an absolute honour to be able to do. To be able to have this impact on people's lives is something that, you know, every day day I just think how lucky am I to be in this position. So in this episode we are going to talk about the hot off the press College of Policing online assessment process. Now of course if you're listening to this in the here and now uh, you know that we're in the midst of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic which means that the traditional form of assessment centre which involves you joining about 25 other people and 10 plus assessors and quality assurers and role players for several exercises where you move from one exercise to another is just not something that we can do it'd be like a coronavirus carousel so it's goodbye to the search assessment center and it's goodbye to the day one assessment center Now, if you're listening to this outside of England and Wales, you may be thinking, what on earth is he on about? So this applies to the 43 Home Office forces for England and Wales. If you're listening to this in another part of the world, then welcome to the podcast. I hope you find it interesting because this may be something that's going to happen to you. Because, like I said before, face-to-face is just not something that's plausible at this moment in time. So I've got the detail now of what the... Uh, online assessment process looks like because i managed to get hold of a copy of the candidate instructions uh, just a few days ago and already i've started to provide exercises video guidance things that people can start to do to prepare for this uh, for my super special clients who have invested in their future invested in uh, the best they can possibly get in terms of preparation advice for this process So what does it involve? Well, the new assessment process is a three-stage process. It involves, first of all, situational judgment tests. And if you pass that stage, you go straight to stage two. There's no break. You just go straight to stage two. Stage two is an interview. Now more about that in a moment because it's not really an interview at all. If you pass that, then there is a break and you will then go back to do stage three i say go back because you'd be doing this in the comfort of your own home actually you might not be i spoke to the force uh, last week and they said that they may actually get their candidates to come into headquarters to do the virtual assessment process more more about that later on in the podcast because i'm just a bit confused about why would you do that actually i can see the reasons why you do that and it'll all become clear in a moment So the third stage is a uh, written exercise and also a briefing exercise. So I'm not going to cover those in too much detail because those are going to come a bit further down the line and I'll cover those in my next podcast. So the briefing exercise and the written exercise, I will do those in next week's podcast. I'll tell you what sort of things you can do to prepare. Just to get you thinking though, Uh, The briefing exercise is where you're going to be given some kind of community conundrum, some issue within the community, and you are going to have to give a 10-minute briefing on how you would approach this situation, and then you're going to be given supplementary information and you'd need to answer certain questions uh, based on that supplementary information. Now, it's not going to require you to have any great in-depth knowledge of police powers or anything like that, but you will need to have... Some kind of working knowledge of what the police actually do. Now, if you're going to join the police, I would hope you've done that research anyway, so um it shouldn't be too difficult for you, but the structured approach you'd need to take is something that's important. Anyway, I'm gonna wind back now because I'm gonna cover I'm starting to get into the written and briefing side of things. I'll cover that off on next week's podcast, but for the moment I'm going to talk about the situational judgment tests and the interview, which isn't an interview. So the first stage, situational judgment tests. Um, These are something that the College of Policing like. Um, I read their evaluation of the police recruitment process that was published about three or so years ago. And if you want to see a copy of that, by the way, it's it's just essential bedtime reading. If you join the Blue Light Police Recruitment Support Group, there's over 10,000 members of that group now who are amazingly active. There's over 300 posts a week, over 3,000 comments and engagements with those posts oh my goodness I can't keep up with it Uh, but fortunately we've got some amazing moderators and admins and the group is pretty much self-policing When we rarely get anything that we need to deal with in terms of an unethical post or something that's inappropriate so anyway um in that group in the files section you'll find a copy of that evaluation like I said it's essential bedtime reading it's about 40 pages I loved it but that's not everyone's cup of tea. But basically what they said is that they quite like situational judgment test. What a situational judgment test is, it's a multiple choice test. Uh, You've got 120 minutes to do it, which is actually far more than you actually need because they're only going to ask you 12 questions. There's no one watching you. You'll be in the comfort of your own home and there is no one watching you, no one monitoring what you're doing. You just do it in the comfort of your own home um, I, I guess you could have some documentation with you to help you through it certainly I'd have the uh, competency and values framework there and certainly I'd have the the guide that I'm in the process of producing it should be ready in a day or two because bear in mind processing and developing new material to help support you for this is something that uh, I'm doing against the clock at the moment because it was only Three days ago, when I got this material, and already I produced several videos and guidance and documents and such like. But anyway, for the situational judgment tests, it's not about acting naturally and just being yourself. You need to put yourself in a position of being a police officer, and you need to put more than that, you need to put yourself in a position of a police officer who abides by the competency and values framework. It's in their DNA. So you're putting forward at the situational judgment tests the best version of your future self as a police officer that you can be so that's the position we need to be in for the situational judgment test um, the sort of questions that you'll get asked so let me give you an example of one of them um, so it may say something like uh, you're in the workplace and one of your colleagues who's working on a neighborhood team approaches you and says listen i just need to make you aware that the house you've just moved into you've moved next to one of the sex offenders that we're monitoring at this moment in time i I know i shouldn't have told you this but you're a good friend of mine and i just want you to be aware of this so it'll give you some options then of what to do so what would you do just give you a moment to think about that i'll repeat the question again so it's it'd be something along the lines of a a colleague in the workplace a fellow police officer from a neighbour policing team approaches you and tells you that the house you've just moved into uh, your new next door neighbour is actually a registered sex offender who's being monitored at this moment in time and they just want to let you know because they're a good friend of yours and uh, you know they just think you should know that You you should be aware of it but it all sounds perfectly reasonable doesn't it so what would you do what would you do So I'll give you some options like uh, thank the individual for the information. It's very useful and you can see that they've got your interests at heart. Uh, Second one would be uh, say nothing because uh, it doesn't sound right. Uh, The third one would be it's a clear breach of the code of ethics because they've given you information which is not information that you need to have access to. Uh, so you'll just give them a have a chat with them and just tell them that it's a breach and remind them and ask them not to do anything like that again. Or four, it's clearly a breach of the code of ethics. You're going to challenge the individual and ask them why they gave you this information and then report this matter to your sergeant. And you're quite aware that this could be a mis- misconduct, could even be a gross misconduct and your colleague and friend could lose their job. So which one are you going to choose? go on honestly honestly in the here and now which one would you choose yeah i I guess you've probably gone for the one which is basically have a quiet word with your colleague no because it's a it's a breach of the code of ethics and remember you're putting yourself forward as the best version of your future police officer who's got the code of ethics in their dna and we're not living in the 1980s anymore. Now, this is the sort of thing which would have happened in the 1980s when I joined and in the 1990s. and uh, It would have been a bit of an, uh, a, a nudge and a wink and no one would have said anything. Actually, it would have seemed like good practice. You probably would have had an inspector saying, yes, good job. Make sure such and such is aware that uh, they've got a sex offender living next door to them. You can kind of keep an eye on them as well for us. So that's the sort of thing that would have happened in the 80s and 90s, and that's why we've got a code of ethics. It was introduced in 2014, yes, 2014, and it gives the police clear guidance. It's not just guidance, actually, it's the law. The code of ethics is the law of the land, and it tells police officers how exactly they should behave and how they should demonstrate certain values. And there's a line that's been crossed by this individual and so what the Code of Ethics says is that you are required to, it's your duty, it's not just a good idea, it's not just a bit of policy, it's the law. You are required to challenge, question, and report that behaviour. So that's what they're after. You see how they're going to present you with some conundrums here? Because part of you would be thinking, "What's oh, it's a good friend of mine, I don't want to be responsible for my friend losing their job. It's difficult. It's difficult. I mean, this is where your integrity will either stand or fall. So in this situational judgment test, like I said, you're going to put yourself forward as being the best version of the future police officer that you're going to be. Not as you are now, and not as, definitely not as, the TV cop shops, TV uh, reality, police camera action, stop now type documentaries and Programs and uh, dramas that are on television every night. Definitely not like those. Because they do not reflect the reality of what is expected from you as a police officer. So you've got 12 of those to do. And you've got so much time to do them in. So much time to do them in. And like I said in the uh, the actual documentation, it doesn't say anything about not having notes with you. So if I was you, I would have all of my notes... In front of me, that sort of summarize how to be the best version of my future self as a police officer I can be. So, my guidance starts with Are you the sort of person that, or are you the sort of future police officer that? And then I've broken down uh, the uh, uh, competency and values framework into a a way that actually makes sense to you, as opposed to if any of you have seen it and you look at the first. Few pages, there's a sort of pictorial example of what the Code of, uh, sorry, what the Competency and Values Framework is. And serving police officers I know tend to call this the Wheel of Confusion. So don't be confused by it. My guidance will actually say to you, uh, it's not going to give you the answers because I don't know what the questions are, but there will be something very similar to what I've just given you and other sort of conundrums that you're going to come across as a police officer. You don't need to know any police powers for it but you do need to know how you'd be expected to behave according to the Code of Ethics. <clears throat> so, we pass passed that bit, because we've got plenty of time to do it, we've got loads of guidance, and interestingly, at this stage, you're still not being monitored. There's no one actually remote monitoring you. So, this is one of the problems with this assessment centre, is maintaining the uh, integrity of it, because... You know, if you've got a father who's a neighbourhood inspector or a best friend who's a neighbourhood sergeant or a detective sergeant, or whoever it may be, and, and, and this is how it tends to work in the police service, sadly, because it doesn't help us with um, recruiting people from all walks of life and from all parts of life so that we can accurately reflect the communities that we're a part of. But we often get a situation where a lot of police officers who join, if you find out, if you ask them about their connections, you'll find that actually the majority of them have got very close connections with the police already. So they've already got people who can advise them and say, oh, this is what they're looking for here. So all I'm doing really with my guidance I provide is I'm providing you with that close connection. If you don't have that close connection, it's me. And that's what I'm here for, to help provide that support that you would normally get if your father, brother, relative, best friend was in the police service. So the next stage, you go straight into it, by the way. If you pass the situational judgment test, and you will, because you're going to prepare for it. You're not just going to walk into it without doing any preparation. You go straight to the interview phase. Now, it's not an interview. You'd think think that the College of Policing would have come up with a system... Following on from forces like Difford Powers Police, British Transport Police, Nottinghamshire Police, several constabularies out there that are conducting interviews using Microsoft Teams or Zoom or Skype, they've very quickly adapted their ability to conduct interviews and they're now conducting them remotely. And by doing this, you can still see the individual and they can see you. You can still have that ebb and flow of an interview that's needed, really. Because in the search assessment centre, in the College of Policing's own evaluation of it, they said that the sort of robotic approach that the interviewers take, very scripted, no emotion, um, very scripted questions, five minutes to answer the question, and if you stop answering the question after three minutes, they'll just clam up, It's just a silence for two minutes, and then they'll move on to the next one. And what they said, quite rightly so, yeah, duh, is that their evaluation said that it tends to cause anxiety among candidates. Well, this is even worse, because they're not following in the footsteps of forces that have been pioneering approaches that actually everyone would be going, well, why weren't you doing that before? So what this interview is, is um, it will start at minute one. So we, we start the interview now, and a screen will come up in front of you. And it says in the instructions, an assessor will ask you a question. Now, it's not an assessor at all, because the thing is, it's pre-recorded. It's a pre-recorded video. It could be my eight-year-old boy asking you the question, because you can't interact with them. There's no interaction whatsoever, but they are recording you through your camera, and they're recording the sound through your device. So on the screen and in front of you, via the assessor in inverted commas, uh, a question will be asked of you, and the questions are based on the competency and values framework. Uh, they've already told us what those um, values are going to be and what those competences are going to be. There's going to be five of them three values and two competencies. And this is why you need to be familiar with the competency and values framework for policing, but you don't need to understand all the fine detail, because once again, I've provided you with some support here, but more about what that support involves in a moment. So back to how it's going to run. So that question will be posed to you. Uh, You'll also be given some supplementary points to think about in how you construct your answer. Now, my guess is that those supplementary points will be standard sort of points that often crop up in supplementary questions that are asked in interviews. Things like, what impact did this have, this problem have on you and on others? Uh, what options did you consider? Uh, why did you choose the option that you chose? What was your rationale? Uh, how did you persuade other people to get involved? How did you delegate to others? Uh, what challenges did you face? Uh, what mistakes did you make and how did you deal with those mistakes? Um, what did you learn from this? What would you diff- do differently next time? Now, these are all pretty much police standard supplementary questions. How do I know that? Well, I've been doing this for decades, actually. It was uh, the late 80s when I first started supporting people for their specialist interviews and uh, not promotion interviews, not just yet, but once I became a sergeant, I started supporting people for promotion interviews, specialist interviews. So I've been doing this for over 30 years. I know the police psyche. I know how they think. I know how they feel. I know the sort of questions that they're wedded to because they've been using them now for decades. doesn't matter what the competency framework is, the job doesn't change. So they want to know about people who can make difficult decisions, people who can work with others, people who can support other people in a crisis, people who can manage change, people who can challenge inappropriate behavior, people who can change the style of their communication to meet the needs of others. Listen, these questions have been the mainstay of police interviews for years now. I've had these in specialist interview boards and in promotion boards and they're still knocking around in the police system now. Why? Well, like I said, because these are the skills, these are the values that have always been inherent in police officers. It's always been what the service has been looking for. We've just changed the name of the frameworks that we describe them in now in terms of the values and the competencies. So fairly predictable in terms of what the questions are possibly going to be. Um, I'm going to give some examples. Oh, no, I'll tell you a little bit more. I'll give some examples in a moment. I'll tell you a little bit more about what the process involves. And so, you know, you've got one minute then to prepare and you're being still being videoed and you're still being recorded. So you've got one minute to prepare and then when that minute is up, my guess is there'll be a little flashing something on the screen to say your time starts now or the assessor may actually say your time starts now. And you've got five minutes to talk into the camera to give your answer and at five minutes it will cut off and then the assessor, in inverted commas, like I said, could be my eight-year-old little boy, or it could be uh, an animated monkey, or a uh, Dory the fish, <laughs> animated. It doesn't matter. It's not a real person. You can't interact with them. If you made to make a mistake and you think, oh, no, actually, that's not what i meant to say. You can't press the stop button. There's no pause button. You're just being recorded for those five minutes and nothing is going to get in the way of that. There's no interaction. There's not even a picture of someone who's nodding away or interacting with you in any shape or form. You're talking to your camera. And then later on, over a glass of Rioja or their favourite Chardonnay, uh, some assessor will uh, assess your interview. My guess is the College of Policing will be using associates. I used to be an associate for the College of Policing, not for the assessment team, but for the organisational development unit. Um, that was interesting work, by the way. And Another podcast about that another time. Um, but <laughs> that person will assess your interview. They'll have it in front of them on their iPad. Um, they, they'll have one eye on that and one eye on something else. I don't know. They'll be doing it in the comfort of their own home. And they'll probably be paid per candidate they're assessing as opposed to the amount of time they're spending. So you've got to make sure that your five minutes of answer is being delivered in a way that's structured, that's got detail, that's got depth, that actually hits the supplementary points, that hits all the things that they're looking for in the competency and values framework. And five minutes is actually quite a long time. So I've practiced doing interview questions with hundreds, thousands of people over the years. And can I share with you now, when I ask him a question, invariably, they will give me an answer like they're telling one of their best friends about whatever happened once they've got home um and invariably it'll last for about one and a half or two minutes it's not got nearly the amount of structure the detail the depth that they're looking for and so that's why i've developed a interview framework that will help you through this process now most of you might be thinking oh it's a star format isn't it you know situation task action result no it's not because even I get confused about the difference between task and action. Most people get very confused about star and what it actually means. And I think the reason why they get confused about it is because it was designed to spell a word. It wasn't designed to reflect what a really good interview answer should have in it. And so what I've developed is something called SOL. Uh, SAL reflects very nicely the competency and values framework. Uh, And also, you know, it doesn't matter what job you're going for anywhere. This would be a really good technique for you. It just doesn't spell a word. So I'm sorry about that. And what it stands for is a situation. And in that situation, we describe it in detail, a specific time, not what you normally do. And we describe also the impact on others. And, 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 you know, there's far more detail in my guidance, but that essentially is what we do. The next part is your aim. Because no one actually says, no one in the real world says things like, so the task I decided to set myself. No, you didn't. No one talks like that. But you might have had an aim. Or you might have said something like, so what's hoping to achieve? That sounds a bit more realistic, doesn't it? And a bit more like you're a human that lives in this world. So what I was hoping to achieve, my aim, was to so describe what success looks like. And now you've got an end in mind. You could then start describing the options you considered and why you chose the option that you chose. And now we can talk about your actions. So not just what you did, but how you did it. Far more about that in another podcast or in my guidance. And then we can move on to the result. Oh, and by the way, throughout all of this, you should talk about how all of this made you feel and how you manage those feelings. Now we can talk about the result, but I don't want to hear that everything you touch turns to gold because that's not the way the world is. Certainly not in policing. I want to hear about what didn't go to plan? And the reason why that is so important is the last part, the L, stands for the learning. So you can start talking about what you learnt from this. And this isn't where you say, so I learned the power of open questions, or I learnt it's good to communicate with people. Those are statements of fact, and they're so cliched that I even had to put on a daft voice, didn't I? So um, we're not going to talk like that. What we're going to say is something along the lines of, So having reflected on this and having discussed this with one of my role models or my mentor or someone who I know and trust, uh, what I realised was, and then you describe the causes of the thing that didn't go to plan. And now you've analysed the causes you can then talk about. So in the future, the way I deal with this differently is, and honestly, folks, if you wrap up your interview with this, and you use this structure and you're familiar with the competency and values framework, you're going to nail it. So um, I've already mapped out possible questions. Out of those five competency and values, there are eight possible questions that uh, I'd almost put money on, seriously, because these are questions that to crop up over and over again. And just in case something some, some curveball comes in, the supplementary points which I ask you to look at uh, that underpin these questions Should give you sufficient if you've referred to these to be able to answer any question, any question at all. So you you don't need anyone to tell you what the questions are going to be, and it actually tells you in the guidance that you should not record or pass on to anyone um, the actual questions that are being asked. So I'll give you a sneak preview uh, for the value of integrity. There are two possible questions. Please, can you tell me about a time when you've done the right thing, even when a different option would have been easier? Or please, can you tell me about a time when you've challenged inappropriate behaviour or actions? Supplementary points, in addition to all the ones that I've outlined in the SAL framework. uh, So what guidance, advice or policy did you refer to and how did you source that information? What consideration did you give to the reputation of the organisation you were part of? And how did you ensure that you were not overbearing or disrespectful of others when you challenged that behaviour or when you did the right thing? So there you go, folks. I know it's a very quick. You'll probably need to rewind a little bit whilst you write those out. But I've done similar for the other four values and competencies. And like I said, I can share with you that there's eight questions that scream out as ones that you're going to be asked. Honestly, they scream out. Now, why, I, I said to you I was going to tell you why I think forces are going to... And I know one force is going to do this. I've spoken to them already. It's a, a force that I will very possibly be doing some work with in the future. And uh, they've already said that their plan is to actually bring people into headquarters to do this online assessment, which kind of defeats the purpose of having an online assessment. But the reason is, is because they're concerned about the integrity of the process. Because there's no one monitoring you. You're just speaking to a camera that's recording you, and that's uploaded and assessed by an assessor later on. So you could have notes with you, and you could have flip charts on the wall with your answers pre-prepared, or bullet points, or... I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, there's nothing in the guidance. There's nothing in the information from the College of Policing that says you can't do that. And I've always operated under English common law. If there's no law that says you can't do something, then you must be able to do it. So there's nothing in the guidance from the College of Policing that says you can't have your notes with you. I may be wrong, but uh, like I said, the, the three days out. There's, I've got to go through um, them again with a fine tooth comb. So my apologies... To all of you, if that actually is in there, in which case, if it is, then you, you know, you don't have your notes with you. But one of the things you should be doing now is you should be preparing for those questions and you should be practicing, 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 practicing. So the first thing you need to do is to map out the content of the answer to each one of the questions that you're possibly going to be asked. And then practice them practice them and practice them and practice them and the way to practice them is not in front of another person i'd normally advocate that you practice in front of real people no not today that's not what we're going to do what you're going to do is you're going to practice in front of your own camera and then you're going to watch it back and you're going to time yourself and you're going to reflect and think how can i improve this now those people who are on my webinar courses and i'll, I'll if you just look up that my website, bluelightonline.co.uk, you'll you'll see those that webinar service. What they're doing already, because they're in their own private Facebook groups, is they're starting to share with each other the recordings. So they can give each other feedback. Which is really good. I'm loving that. It's like this little community. They're fantastic by the way. These little online communities. They're just doing some amazing work with each other. And I'm helping to guide them through the process. So that's what you've got to do, folks. And uh, this is this is going to require so much practice. It's a new normal. I, th- I I just don't think it's a good idea from the college of policing because already there's one force talking about we need to bring people into headquarters to actually do this online assessment centre. And cannot see how ridiculous this is. We're going to bring people into the headquarters or another remote location so we can watch them doing the assessment centre, the online assessment tests. So you can have someone watching you whilst an assessor who's not actually there, asks you the interview questions, and you'll be sat there thinking, well, why didn't you just ask me the questions? And then we can interact with each other. Because they'll sit there and watch you socially distancing. My guess is, though, it'll probably be sort of eight computer terminals, all spread out from each other so you can socially distance, and one person monitoring you. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? It really is. So on that note, I'm going to end on a little bit of advice that I picked up years ago, and it's called the Golden Rule. Those who hold the gold make the rules. So the College of Policing hold the gold. They've made the rules. So we just have to play by the game that they've set for us and by the rules that they've set for us and be the best version of ourselves that we can be. Prepare and practice, prepare and practice, prepare and practice. And if you think you've practiced enough, you haven't. Practice more, practice more, practice more, practice more. And join our community. Join our community as we help you through this process. So, folks, I hope you've got something out of this podcast. I'm particularly excited about the challenge of helping to support you through this process in an ethical way. I don't want to know what the questions are, and I'm not going to, and if anyone tried to tell me, I'd just put my hands over my ears and go, la, 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 not listening, a bit like a child. Um, I don't want to know. I want to prepare people using that 30-plus years of experience in this world that I've got and my 28 years of operational policing and beyond that working for the police sector after I retired I've worked for police forces around community engagement problem solving all sorts of stuff spoken at conferences worked with the European Union I'm perfectly placed to support you join us jump onto the website now take a look at the services The website's adapting as we adapt to this new normal. And join the community. Join the Blue Light Police Recruitment Facebook support group. You'd be amazed at the support that's in there. So rather a a longer podcast than normal. My apologies. But there's so much to cover. So in next weeks, I'm going to cover the briefing exercise and the written exercise. I'm here to help you through this process. Uh, We'll manage it. It's not your fault that the College of Policing have delivered such a poor assessment instrument, but like I said, golden rule applies. So on that note, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye for now.